Thank you, Christian. Isn't that amazing this morning? When we're singing that um, the, the God is good song. Hey, isn't it, a, isn't, it, isn't it beautiful to see when our attention focuses on God's goodness, everything changes. When we get caught up in His magnificence, our lives change. And I, I think our, our problem is not that, 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 um, that God's not doing enough for us, it's that we are not in awe of Him. And, I, you know, in my life, every time things get, uh, you know, things get challenged, I, I, I tend to get this revelation that I've, I've, lost, I've lost some of my awe of the magnificence of God. You know, I've become familiar. Have you ever become familiar with the things of God? We get, when we get familiar with the things and the ways of God, we can lose his magnificence. And we can lose, uh, the, you know, the, our heart for worship. You know, worship is a response to... to the ridiculous, unfathomable size of God's goodness, his power, his mercy, his, his ability to, to come into every aspect of our lives, the fact that he always was, the fact that he always will be, and also the fact that he's here in this moment with us right now. Get your head around that and you'll be a worshipper. And if you're a worshipper, you'll be in awe of the King of all kings. And if you're in awe of the King of all kings, you will have every answer to every challenge that you're walking through. You will have a peace that goes beyond your understanding, beyond the circumstances of your life, and you will walk in a freedom that you can't even explain to yourself. We've got to get in awe of our king. The simplicity of our faith is more awe. It's more awe. Anyone, uh, anyone pretty excited about uh, cricket season coming up? You know what I love about cricket? Any ladies like cricket? Okay, this is good. I love ladies who love cricket. And uh, do you know what I love about cricket? Is that no matter how much time you've got, they've created a form of the game that fits into your time schedule. You know, if you've got plenty of time and your wife's not that angry or your husband's not that angry, you can go the full five-day test match all the way down to the, to the uh, Big Bash three-hour 2020 cricket. And uh, how, how, how good is it that they've, that they've fit, it, fit it into our schedule no matter how we're going in life, no matter how much time we've got, it's great. You know, last week, football season ended. Today's a beautiful transitional day called Bathurst. And then we roll on next week into cricket season uh, just to warm us up for next year's football season. Isn't God good? (laughs) Isn't it amazing that uh, we get caught up in in so much of life's challenges? And, you know, I I love cricket. And cricket reminds me of... uh, the great voice behind cricket, you know, who, who we lost just recently, the great Richie Benno. And uh, Richie Benno's uh, renowned for his, uh, his jackets that he wears. And he wakes up in the morning and he opens his cupboard. And uh, inside his cupboard, he's got the, uh, the cream, the bone, the white, the off-white, the ivory or the beige. Which one is he going to wear today? I think we've got a picture of it up there. And uh, it's pretty well all beige, isn't it? Let's face it. And, you know, he, 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 we lost the great uh, Richie Benno recently. And, and it, in the first few games after, after he passed, you know, there were whole sections of the MCG with people dressed up. I think we've got a picture of a couple of them dressed up in the beige and the, uh, and the silver hair with the great Channel 9 microphone, just in respect of, of this man. And, 
And, you know, it, it's interesting that the terminology that they use about Richie's wardrobe, isn't it? You know, the, uh, the cream, the bone, the white, the off-white, the ivory or the beige. You know, it's a barrage of beige life, isn't it, sometimes? I'd like to suggest to you this morning that uh, some of us have been abducted by beige. Why don't you ask the person next to you, have you been abducted by beige? I've titled this message, The Rage Against the Beige. Because, you know, in life, you know, we haven't had much rain lately and we had it, we've had a little bit recently and isn't it, hasn't it been magnificent to see the beige turn green? You know, when life is returned, you know, the, the, the grass, oh, it's like overnight, it turns green. I'm watching our lawn become green while it was raining. It was like it was calling out, thank you, to, to, to the heavens for, for a drink of water and, and, it, and it came back to life. But I, I look around life and I think, we've come up for all these new names for beige. We've come up with words like the bone, the off-white, you know, the ivory and all these things. But the reality is, wherever we look, you know, it, you know, life is life is beige, and and I I want to I want us to to discover this morning a pathway out of it, because there's this there's this barrage of beige everywhere, and and when I talk to people, we 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 get caught in the same thing. Our desires are towards the same thing. We're all heading in the same direction, and 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 I, there's a, there's a term when when you have been abducted by something, and the term that the police and the people who who are who are uh, trying to rescue you, they're looking first for proof of life. And proof of life is, it's a term that basically means we can get rid of Richie. Come on. He's a great man, but we need to move on. And uh, we're looking for, it's a term describing evidence that, uh, that someone who's been abducted is, is still alive, who's with us. And we see, sometimes see that by a, a, um, a video with a newspaper you know, with the today's date on it, it might be voice recognition from a family member through a phone call. Uh, it could be many different things. And, and I want to challenge you today that all of the world is actually looking for proof of your life. All of the world is looking for proof of our lives. What makes you valuable? The world's asking what makes you valuable. What, the world's asking you, why should I give you my time? The world's asking you, why should I give you my money? Why should I give you my trust? Why should I give you my energy? Why should I give you my vote, my friendship? They're saying, why? Where are you? Show me some proof of life. Show me something in you that is worthy of my time. And they're asking it everywhere they look. You know, we, we see pop culture. I borrowed a photo of, of Declan for his, um, for, for his wardrobe. And... Uh, the, you know, the pop culture is always looking for what's next, aren't they? They're always, they're always looking for, 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 for what's next, what's new, what's hip, what's groovy, what's frothing. It's interesting, isn't it? Business culture is looking for what's moving, what's, next, what's the next bubble, what's the, what's the next market to move. Science culture is looking for, for, for the why, the how, and the what-ifs of, of the substance of matter in life, you know, we're, we're, all, we're all searching for something, you know, church, even in church culture, you know, sometimes we get distracted by what God's, God's doing and we get caught up looking at what everyone else is doing. We're all searching for something, we're all looking for something to be revealed. And here's the thing, everyone, everywhere, in fact, everything everywhere, all of God's creation 
is crying out. It's eagerly waiting for something to be revealed, something to happen. You feel like sometimes in life you're just waiting for someone to do something interesting that we can go and that we can look at, that, that'll stir us, that'll bring, it, that'll bring us something interesting to look at. You know? and, we're, and we get, we get caught in, 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 the, in these moments of interesting things. And God's saying, no, they're on the right track. The world creation is on the right track. And we know, though, don't we? We read in Romans 8, 19, it says, for the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. See, everyone's waiting for something. Everyone's searching for something. Everyone's waiting for something to be revealed. What's the next bubble that I can invest my money in? What's the next fashion that I can, that I can get on me and, and get, get my groove on? What's the, next, you know, what's the next scientific discovery? When's the next Samsung or Apple phone coming out that I can get, that I can get amongst with, you know, with, with face recognition? I'm sick of the, thumb, the thumbprint recognition. I need to go next level. I just want to look at my phone and it speaks to me. Did you know that if you, switch on your, if you switch on your Siri these days on your iPhone, you can just be having a chat about something. Siri's listening to you. You open um, something else and an advertisement comes up exactly what you were talking about previously because you've given it permission to listen to what you're talking about so that it can, it can strategically place advertisements in front of you. This is not a conspiracy. This is true. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? I'm talking about... I'm talking about um, this or that, you know, some of the things that I'm interested in, in, in life, you know, whatever, whatever it may be. It might be, you know, Lycra or whatever your thing is. And all of a sudden you flick on Google and an advertisement comes up in the area that you've been discussing. You haven't even Google searched it. How amazing is that? You see, we can get caught in, some, you know, we're, we're always looking for something to be revealed. And us believers, we see an advertisement come up. I was just talking about that recently. It must be the Holy Spirit. I find myself going near Kristen's phone, talking to her Siri about the things that I want. And when she opens her phone, she gets drawn into the things that I need and goes, and, and then Christmas always lands perfectly for me. It's a beautiful thing. Here's the thing, though, in Romans 8, it goes on, doesn't it? It goes, not only is creation eagerly awaiting for your sonship in Christ to be revealed, listen to this, verse 23, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption. See, there's something deep in you that's groaning for relationship with God. And sometimes we don't realise what it is. We're living life looking for something, looking for the next bubble, looking for the next fashion, looking for, for hope somewhere, looking for someone to do something interesting in this barrage of beige. And, and God's saying, hey, let my Holy Spirit soften your heart and allow that inner person to get into relationship with me because my spirit wants to testify to your spirit that you are my son, that you are my daughter, and that hope is enough. That hope is what's going to change the world. There's something in you that's stirring. You, sometimes you go, there's something in me that's eagerly waiting. I don't know what it is. And here's what it is. It's, it's eagerly waiting for a stronger, deeper, more powerful connection with the king of all kings, your heavenly father. Christ didn't come just to, just to, just to uh, say g'day to the world. He came that you would have life and that you would have it abundantly. He doesn't want you to walk in beige. He wants you to walk in full colour. It's interesting, there's a new TV show called World War II in colour. 
It's interesting that when we look at when we when we look at the footage of real footage of World War II, it's in black and white, and 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 the reality when you see colour around those things, it doesn't actually look real anymore. But guess what? It happened in colour. And sometimes your Christianity can be a bit black and white, and God's saying it's. Christianity is meant to be lived in colour. Your relationship with me is not beige. It's not black and white. It's not in sepia style. It is in full colour. It is, in, it, is, it is the greatest thing in your life. It's just waiting for your mind to be renewed for you to drink of the water of my goodness, says the Lord. As you drink of the water of my goodness, as you dive into his word, as you surrender to him in prayer, as you, as you get on your knees in worship and give me all of your praise, you will begin to come alive. You will begin to be seen. Your sonship will begin to be seen by the rest of the world. And the creation that is crying out for something will see you and say, I don't know what it is, but it's in that person. How good is God? He wants to stir you this morning in the direction of his love, in the direction of his hope. You know, I love meeting people who, are, who have a contentment about their uh, identity in God. And you know you've met one of these people when uh, you spend some time with them and uh, they're, never, they're not trying to prove themselves to you, they're just doing life with you. There's people in our lives who are, who are always, um, you know, giving you their resume. You know what I mean? This is, this is what I've done. You know, they, they're desperately wanting you to love them. But someone whose identity is rich and deep and caught up in, in God's goodness and his love and, in, your, and in, in, in the fact that you are one of his heirs, you have no need to prove yourself. You can just do life with people. You can encourage, you can stretch, you can grow, and, uh, and you can bless. You know, I have a friend who I, who I um, speak with probably once every two months, you know, six weeks to eight weeks. And I consider this person my uh, intellectual superior. I know that it's probably hard to imagine. <laughs> but uh, they're, they're out there, and uh, this person's one of them. By, even, by a margin, too. You know, I mean, not just a couple of facts. They, they know seriously uh, more things than I do. And I didn't think I'd find someone, but there, there's one person so far that i found. And here's the thing. This, this, this person allows me to challenge his thinking. This person allows me to test my theories without feeling the need to give me his answers. And he's, he's, he's like, and I can feel sometimes him on the inside just shaking his head going, when's he going to get it? But he knows that if he tells me the answer, it's information. If I discover the answer, it's revelation. And there's hope attached to it. You see, when our, our hope is anchored to eternal life, I don't need to tell you all the information that I know. I can walk with you in life so that you can discover hope yourself. So you don't need more information. You need, you need the hope of the King of Kings. You need, the, you need the, the awe of the Lord of Lords. You need to surrender to the magnificence of the Almighty. You know, and, and when you are in this space, you can be like my friend who, who's, who understands that I don't need more information, I need more revelation. I don't need more data, I need better relationships. He said this to me. 
said this, this is this quote from a friend of mine. This, the friend said, there is no going through life alone. Each of us, along with our Lord, need wisdom figures to walk the way with us, as well as a rule to guide us. You see, we don't need more people just speaking, uh, speaking data into our lives. We need people walking alongside us who aren't trying to change us, but are allowing us to change while they're next to us. You see, you don't need more people to imitate. You need, you need stronger relationships so that you can discover who you are in God. Now, I talk in, the, in our faith and culture course, I talk a little bit about um, the, the tensions that are, that are in, um, in the armour of God. And one talks about the shield of faith. And I want to encourage you this morning, just one sentence out of that, that there is a tension between your faith and someone else's momentum. You see, when you live according to someone else's information, you're not necessarily taking a step of faith. You're walking in someone else's momentum. God is saying, you need to be you. You need to be, you need to be wholly you surrendered to me. And in that space, you'll take steps of faith and we can change the world when you're being you surrendered to me. It's hard to step out of momentum, isn't it? It's hard to step out of, of when something's going very well over here. You know, it's hard to step out of that and take your own step of faith. And God's calling us. He's calling us. You know, he's calling the prophets to speak to the unsaved. He's calling the teachers to be prepared to teach the gospel of Christ in every aspect of their life. He's saying, step out of the... He's saying, this place of church is the practice ground. The reality of the steps of faith is in your day-to-day life. Will you trust me, says the Lord? Will you take a step of faith? So it's great when we find these people, isn't it? It's great when you find someone of wisdom who's, who's, not, who's not just bringing you the answers, but someone who's helping you, walk, walking alongside you and seeing you discover the answers and helping you have a conversation as you go. Why don't, we, why, don't we, um, why don't we shift our thinking from looking to discover one of these people to actually becoming one of these people? And because, you know, it's great when you discover one, but today, why don't we think about actually becoming one of these great people who can, who can walk alongside people, who can shift cultures, who can, who can stir up people in their faith and in their gift and who can discover this greatness of God and walk in, in real hope. Why don't we look at Mark chapter 10? James and John... James and John were characters. Um, the, James, the, the, the disciples are, are, are chatting with Jesus, and in Mark 10.35, we'll pick it up, and it says this, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him, came to Jesus, saying, Teacher, we want you to do whatever we ask. Who says that to God? Teacher, we want you to do, every, do whatever we ask. Can you... Here's Jesus, he's going, you've got to be kidding. Lord, Father, you know, he says, I need to do what I see the Father doing. Are you slapping these two? Because I'm sensing that I maybe should be slapping them right now. And, and Jesus, this is how amazing Jesus is. He goes, these guys are way out of line here. They're selfish, they're thinking of their own greatness. They've lost awe of the goodness of God and they're trying to become awesome themselves, right? Jesus says, humbly, Jesus says this to them. He says, what do you want? me to do for you and they said to him grant us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left hand in your glory 
But Jesus says to them, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said to him, we are able. They've really got no clue, these guys, have they? Absolutely no clue how they want all the glory without the responsibility. They want to walk in the power and the authority of God without carrying the burden and the responsibility of what the king of all kings has to carry. And Jesus says back to them, he says in verse 39, he says, you will indeed drink the cup that I drink. And with the baptism that I am baptized with you, will be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared. And then the other ten, verse 41, when they heard it, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John, with probably, you know, good reason. But Jesus called them to himself and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. Whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. And then he says this amazing statement about himself. The king of all kings says this statement about himself. For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. How good is Jesus? I mean, you picture yourself in that situation. You're, you're sitting there with your team, your top 10, your top 12 team, you know, and two of them, they, they are, have no clue of the reality of, of you know, what you're about to walk through in the not-so-distant future, and all they're thinking about is the glory on the other side of it. All they're thinking about is, how can I get close enough to the, to the power seat? And Jesus, is, in his humility, allows them to walk through that moment. There's a whole generation coming through that are full of dreams. And a lot of those dreams are out of line, aren't they? A lot of those dreams are selfish. A lot of those dreams are about taking over. You know, a lot of those dreams are about uh, what we need to do and how much more they know than we do. And we can be, we can, in all of our great wisdom, we can slap the dreams out of the next generation because they're not perfectly aligned with what we already know through our revelation. And Jesus shows us this amazing picture. I mean, they're totally out of line. Jesus, will you just give us whatever? We, we want you to give us whatever we ask. You know? And when Declan talks to me about the lights, he says, I want you to give me whatever I ask. You know, new lights, new sound. New... And sometimes we need to go, let's allow a generation, let's allow some people in our lives to discover God instead of us beat them with God. When did God become this weapon, in, and of you know this weapon of of bringing people into line, as it was a person of of mercy and hope and humility who can actually allow people in through relationship to discover the greatness of God themselves. Jesus shows us how the children of God will be revealed. What does what does the Bible say about Jesus? It says Jesus made himself. Of what? Of no reputation. Now, I know a lot of people who have no reputation, and, uh, but I don't know too many people who have given up their reputation. It's very different, isn't it? It's one thing to have no reputation 
by sheer laziness. You know, it's another thing to actually have, be a person of stature and then lay it down and walk humbly before people and serve. It's, one, it's an amazing thing when you see someone of, of great stature humbly serve the people in their world. That, to me, is, is the sons and the daughters of the king being revealed to all of creation. I want to suggest to you this morning that great humility is found when greatness lowers. Humility is found in greatness. Meekness comes out of strength. When you study the word meekness, it sounds like weakness and it looks like weakness, but it's actually strength with humility. Strength with humility looks like weakness, but it is strength. And it is strength that has come down to the level of someone else's brokenness and says, instead of me looking down at you, I'm going to get on my knees before you and hold your hand. It may look like weakness, but it is true strength that is only seen, it is only revealed as the sons and the daughters of God when it is on its knees, holding someone's hand at their level, helping them out of the challenge that they're in. How powerful is meekness? Meekness without strength is simply weakness. We all know what it means to be in life, being weak in life. You know, when you don't, you don't have to, to step out of your weakness to be meek because you're already there. If life situations has, has humbled you, you don't actually have to be humble because life has already humbled you. But how beautiful it is when the children of God who are completely blessed, who are whole, who have a hope established in him, humble themselves, be, make themselves meek. You know, the Bible says, blessed are those who mourn. The greatest mourning is from those who have a life of joy. When you understand the hope that is in you, when you understand you are eternal, when you understand that there are people around you who love you and your life is full of joy and you mourn for the broken, you mourn for the lost, you mourn for that part of your life that hasn't been surrendered to God, that is true mourning. That is the sons and the daughters of the king being revealed to all of creation. Humility comes out of greatness meekness comes out of strength mourning comes out of joy and when they come out of those places we will change the world you will change your family you will change your business you'll change your your school wherever you go if you if you are laying your life down if you are surrendering to him you will see an amazing thing happen you can only make yourself of no reputation once you actually have one. Romans speaks of a renewed mind. And I, I think of my friend, I, who I believe has is, got, got an amazing renewed mind. And he, 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 because he's, he's so renewed in his mind, he's not looking for anything from me. Not looking for, he's not looking for, um, for approval. He's not looking, you know, the, the world is looking for proof. Hey, I need to prove that I'm worthy. I need to prove my value. I need to prove that, that I can take it, that I can survive, that I can do life, that I can rise above whatever it is. We're looking to prove ourselves. But, you know, Romans, when he says he needs a renewed mind. And this is what I find. The more I consider Jesus, my mind's not only renewed, he blows my mind. I think we need a little, spend a little bit more time contemplating Jesus. How, consider this. Jesus... Uh, he's, he's around for about 33 years on, on, on the planet Earth as a person. But for the first 30, he's pretty well unseen. So the, the king of all of the universe 
is living on the planet for 30 years before he actually becomes visible and anyone even knows what's going on. Does, that, does the patience of God blow your mind? And then he does three-year stint, you know, dies, raises again, boop, then he's, then he's off again. And you go, what was the first 30 years for? And I, I go, I can't even fathom the patience of God in my life. So when, as you walk through life and you, and you consider giving someone patience, Jesus is hanging out for 30 years before he steps into that amazing space. And he's saying, hey, it takes time. It takes time. And you need to understand that, that if you want to be renewed in your mind, if you want to be set free, if you want to be whole, if you want your hope to be established, you need to spend more time contemplating my greatness, my magnificence, read my Gospels, read, the, read my Gospels in relation to the prophecies, you know, 800, thousands of years, 800 and, thousand, and a thousand plus years before Christ was even was, was born. And you think, it blows my mind. And as my mind is blown, it is renewed. And as it is renewed, I am liberated from my desire to prove myself to you. And if I am free from trying to prove myself, I can be a blessing to you. And I can stop trying to change you and walk with you while God changes you. We spend too much time trying to change people and not enough time walking alongside people while God convicts their hearts and stirs them to change. Do you realize that the, one of the major depression points in life today is mid-twenties? When everything didn't happen as the dream suggested. Mid-twenties, we, we, you know, we were told when we were teenagers, you can do anything you want, you can work anywhere, you can live anywhere, and then you get to your mid-twenties and you realize, well, that was a lie. You know, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to work for NASA and uh, I couldn't even, can't even afford a plane ticket. Jesus didn't go into public life until he was 30. Jesus spent his whole ministry with his betrayer, knowing full well the whole time who he was. He did life with his betrayer, knowing he was there the whole time. If we knew, if we had a betrayer in the house, you think we'd kick him out on day one, wouldn't you? God, he does. He wants to walk life with his people. He wants to show us a different way. He doesn't speak the hard facts. He speaks in parables. Why does he speak? He wants people to, he wants people to get revelation, not data. We get caught in data and God's all about revelation. Here's the thing, though. You will gain a reputation in the area of your gift. Can I have two more minutes, Morgs? Just stay there, though. You, you're, you're, you know, you you're make the stage look groovy. How frothing is Morgan, as the young people would say? You'll gain a reputation in the area of your gift. It might be business. It might be a father. You might be a mother. You might be an artist. You might be an athlete. You might be beautiful. You might have knowledge. You might be intuitive. You know, you you, you know, you're going to gain a reputation. David, you know, Christian shared this morning. David gained a reputation as a slingshotter, didn't he? He killed Goliath with a slingshot. He gained a reputation there, but that was the only time we ever heard him use it. After that point. This is significant in life. See, 
for us to become of no reputation doesn't mean we don't strive to gain knowledge. Doesn't mean if you're, you know, if doesn't mean if, if you are beautiful that you shouldn't be a supermodel. You know what I mean? It, it you know, it, it, it sometimes, you know, it doesn't mean that if you're an athlete you should lay down your athleticism. God's saying no. It's it's when you have become something, when you have all of the degrees, when you have the platform, when you have the beauty, when you have the the substance, the knowledge, when you, can, when you can prophesy, when you're intuitive, whatever it is, it's, it's at that point when you choose to not let it define you and walk alongside someone and let them discover hope. That's when the greatness of God, your sonship, your daughtership is revealed to the people around you. So this is not a permission for you to be lazy in your life. This is not permission for you to, to not walk in, in, in your gift, in your strength. But it is as you walk in it, and you make yourself, you humble yourself out of your greatness. You become meek in your strength. Isn't it great when you see a big, monstrous, muscle-building man pick up a beautiful little child and just hold them delicately in the hand without crushing them? It's kind of like myself and Arabella. Isn't it amazing when someone who has everything, who has the great family, the great, the, so much joy in their life, everything's going well, and you see them weeping, broken before God for the lost, for the unsaved, for people who don't know him, for people who are walking through something. That is a picture of sonship. That is a picture of the children of God. It's in our own joy that mourning is not selfish but genuine. It is in our greatness that humility is intentional and not situational. I want to suggest to you today that your strength can be your greatest opportunity or your greatest limitation, depending on where you're at. If your strength defines you, it is a limitation. If your strength blesses you, it is a gift. Proverbs 25.2, the glory of God is, con- is to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. Sometimes we need to allow people to search out a matter and to discover God on their own terms, to discover what he's saying to them, not what you're saying to them. Jesus made himself of no reputation. He did not come to, serve, to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Come on, Morgs. Our true identity becomes visible when in a place of power, we choose powerlessness. When you choose to be powerless in, from a place of power, that's when you begin to build a bridge to freedom. In some. You see, we're bridge builders. You can't build a bridge from the middle, can you? You've got to build it from one side. And let me tell you, it's always easier to build a bridge from the side of powerlessness than it is from the side of power. It's always easier to make yourself of no reputation and begin to serve and, and, and see God move out of your powerlessness. And then his power is revealed. When my opinion doesn't have to be shared, when I can allow things and people to delight me and sadden me and influence me when I no longer need to change or adjust other people to be happy myself. It's amazing how that's the beginning of them seeing God in me. Romans 12, 1-2 I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, 
and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And here it is. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. All of creation is eagerly awaiting your exit from this barrage of beige. They want you. They want to see you. They want to see God in you. But it's not going to be by trying to stand out. It's going to be by getting strong in God, by finding your joy in God, by understanding the greatness in you, and then humbly, meekly serving humanity, mourning for the loss. Then, then church, we will be revealed, not as religious people, but as children of the Most High God. That's where people are going to get hungry. Jesus said, freely you have received, now freely give. Freely you have received. Why don't you stand with me this morning, church? Let me say this one last statement. It's when we give in secret or humility or out of no reputation that God is seen as the source and not us. Creation is eagerly awaiting for your relationship with God to be revealed. This is the challenge today, church. Rage against the beige. How do we do it? We do it by becoming powerless from a state of power. We do it by in a great place of joy, contemplating the broken and mourning for them. We do it by out of our greatness, humbling ourselves and serving as Jesus served. We do it by having a phenomenal reputation as, a, as an expert, as, as wise, as an intellect, as intuitive, whatever it is, and humbling ourselves and just walking alongside people. We do it by getting on our knees in worship like we did this morning and discovering a new awe of the King of all kings and walking in his goodness and his hope alone. Let me pray for you this morning, church. Father, we thank you for your love and for your mercy. We thank you for your hope and for your truth. Wow, we, we want to walk in your will. We want to see your glory revealed. And may your glory, may your goodness be revealed through our lives. Lord, open our eyes. Lord, give us revelation of who we are in you. Give us revelation of your magnificence. Lord, we don't want, to, we don't want you to be too small in our thinking, Father. We want to increase our awe. We want to increase our understanding. Lord, we don't want to worship you because we like the music. We want to fall flat on our face and worship you because of your magnificence. Stir up our hearts today, Lord. Open our eyes, open our ears that we may see, that we may hear what you're doing, what you're up to. Show us hearts of people. We don't want to be distracted by the external, Lord. We want to see your goodness. We don't want to be distracted by people's behavior. We want to see people's hearts, Lord. Give us eyes to penetrate behavior, to see hearts. Give us understanding to lay down our need to prove ourselves and to do life with people, Father. We repent before you this morning for walking in our strength. We repent for walking in our greatness and walking in our joy, Father. We want to be people who walk in your greatness and surrender to your will. Father, we take and we reverse what James and John said this morning and we ask you, Father, what can we do for you? What can we do for you, Lord? 
And we just thank you, Father. We thank you for your joy. We thank you for your greatness that resides in us. We thank you for your hope that knows no bounds and for your mercy that is fresh this morning. We receive it afresh in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Let's sing, church.